Yo, have you heard of LinkedIn Learning? If you haven't, LinkedIn Learning is an American massive open online course provider. It provides video courses taught by industry experts in a variety of subjects. Now, why am I sharing this? I'm sharing this because Living Corporate is in partnership with LinkedIn Learning to provide diversity, equity, and inclusion courses. Listen, if you're trying to be a better ally, you want to understand better diversity, equity, inclusion strategies, or you just want to learn how to be a better leader, you got to check out the courses on LinkedIn Learning. So check it out. You can do it one of two ways. You can click the link in the show notes or you go to LinkedIn Learning and you search Living Corporate again. Link in the show notes or go to LinkedIn Learning and search Living Corporate. I'll see you over there. Hello, hello, hello. Happy Saturday, Tana Akon. And this is the group chat. And we are talking about radical power and specifically, um, you know, what is disruptive and what is happening. But before we get into our topic today, that music you hear in the background is none other than my daughter Morgan. Um, she released her fourth single uh, October 7th. It's called Not Cool Anymore. So um, download, support her. Um, you know, when young Black women come out with music, it's really important to give that support. And, um, you know, the way that algorithms and things work is all about liking, sharing, and downloading music. So, um, once again, that song is not cool anymore. Hey, Cynthia. Hello, hello, everyone. So, we are good to go. What I wanted to do today, um, Sana, was I wanted to kick it off just talking about some of the technology news happening because I think this week was probably one of the most um, technical, one of the most, um, how would I say it, interesting, um, intense, uh, and I think even unexpected in some ways, um, tech news this week, right? Um, And like always, uh, Facebook is in the news, but Facebook was specifically in the news um, about two things this week that I wanted to catch up with real quick. Um, First, I wanted to talk about the whistleblower. Um, So when we think about whistleblowing and we think about, you know, people who get that courage uh, to speak up and to, to, you know, talk about stuff, um, when you're talking about a behemoth like Facebook, it's going to ruffle some feathers. So, um, you know, my good friend, you've been in the tech industry for a long time. Um, tell me what you think about what happened. Maybe give the audience, you know, a little bit of background. But, you know, tell, you know, give me your thoughts about the Facebook uh, whistleblower and, and everything she's talking about. So I, you know, firstly, thank you so much, Wanda. I'm really loving these uh, chats and I'm getting to the rhythm of it. <laughs> So I love that. Um, uh, you know, I a lot happened this week. Um, and I think what's interesting about it is a few different things are coalescing at the same time, right? So it's not the first time we've had a whistleblower come forward, right? Or for that voice to be muffled somewhat. Uh, we all know that there's practices, not just on LinkedIn, but multiple platforms of what we call shadow banning, uh, which, you know, and, and it has been reported, in fact, to Instagram for, or in Twitter for sure. Uh, and, you know, it's uh, somewhere in between the range of, well, we have these algorithms that are meant to weed out hate speech and that are meant to weed out, um, you know, sort of uh, this is their positioning, right? Or this is their position that they have to have algorithms that can weed out some of the things that have happened during the Arab Spring. Um, or for example, if you might've heard recently, cause Facebook's one element of it, uh, you know, there's something even bigger there, which is like in Myanmar, um, it was found out that there were military personnel that had created multiple sham, many, many sham accounts, um, to spread hate, uh, and even report fabricated rape, uh, cases by, you know, like for example, a Muslim man against a, um, a Burmese or Myanmar woman, right? And uh, there has been a massive backlash towards Rohingya people, especially Rohingya women, right? So as women of color, 
we can relate to the idea that the buck sort of, you know, when every other group gets to dodge the bullet a little bit on these things, one group gets stuck more, right? So uh, there's a couple of different topics here, right? One is in terms of just corporate practices. And if we assumed benign intent, right, or just the intent of corporate, you know, uh, profit generation, enabling a service, service, providing jobs, helping, you know, um, innovation, et cetera. There's that one lens. Then there's the lens of the workers who are in these companies, right? And we know it's not Facebook alone. Um, we know in the tech industry, I, I, in fact, you know, wrote a letter when I left my last workplace. And um, it's not just that company or another company. It's just, it's big tech corporate in general. And what is so different about big tech? Well, one of the things that are different is that there's just so much money. And the world needs tech so much, or there's a perceived need, especially during times like COVID, where people are remote and they are socially distanced, or, you know, and then now, especially with how that industry has gone, all the more so that people don't want to have to necessarily go back into those environments in person, especially Black women, right, and women of color. Um, but, but specifically, Black women are speaking out about this, right? Um, and black employees in general. And so it definitely, what that would mean on one hand is calling out these practices that happen, which is why when they're being put under pressure, they're like, we don't want to come back like this and this is why. And so those reasons are coming out. So uh, that amazing book uh, or the amazing uh, website that's been created, techworkerhandbook.org that, you know, Fonda, you also sent me personally and I was reviewing it separately too. Um, there's that one whole element, right? So it's not just about one whistleblower, it becomes, when there are multiple people who are now saying the same thing or iterating similar stories, to what extent can they be kept, um, you know, quiet by general social, oh, don't do that because you're going to lose your friends and your colleagues and your business opportunities because people don't want to be associated with that, right? This is a very common practice that's happened. It's actually now a global practice in terms of social, you know, becoming an outlier, becoming a pariah, right? Well, when the fear of that is dying down more because there are so many people doing it, that means that now it enables a situation where two big things happened, actually, aside from the whistleblower. Um, one was, well, there's two in terms of news data, which is that that situation came out about uh, Myanmar, right? Um, which indicates how negative that influence was or how Facebook wasn't tracking those pieces. The second big news that's there just generally, people aren't paying attention to Myanmar because that tends to happen, uh, especially in the United States with, with it having an isolationist culture historically, um, is that it, you know, there's been proven data now and reports on how Instagram and Facebook knew, um, but specifically about Instagram, that it was making young people feel bad about themselves. And so now there's a whole conversation about how to limit that kind of self-bullying happening through the through social media exposure, right? Through networks. Um, so that's two big pieces of news. Then there's the whistleblower conversation, which was already happening regarding Google, regarding a few other companies, um, regarding now Facebook and details accounts. And then there's also for Apple, like it's just there across the board, right? And then on top of that, now we have two big movements in terms of institutionally being able to counter uh, this kind of culture of silencing. One is that some of the California laws were recently changed around this, uh, which you might have seen Tim. Two days ago. About two days ago. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, you know, you've had Chelsea Glasson out there about, you know, the pregnancy discrimination lawsuit that's been going on. There's been other people reporting about how their lawsuit has been going on as long as they were employed in the company, like for the same duration, right? If the, like, literally you're in it for double the time. Um, from that perspective. And at the same time, you also have movement happening. And so it's a really interesting time because when often what comes up for me, and I was, uh, I don't know if you were on this, but Elizabeth uh, Leba, Liz Leba was holding a session yesterday with Future and I think Ashanti and a few others, um, John as well. And she, it was the first of that one that I joined in terms of Black LinkedIn, right? And in a live conversation that's in the middle of the live conversation. And I realized that on one hand, we're able to talk about the things that are not working, that there's a white backlash going on, mm -hmm. house supremacy, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's also a sense of, will all this make a difference? Or will we just 
go back to where we were, where because there are people brown and black as well who are more than you know interested in going with the status quo and saying that I don't want to ruffle feathers. Will we just go back to the way that it was? Of course, not all their, it's not their responsibility. <laughs> They're in a very tough situation themselves. They're traumatized and re-traumatized as well, right? And so will they go back to the way it was or is something actually going to change and we're going to care for that momentum? And so I think that's a very interesting point that we can go into the details around what that specific whistleblower was talking about. But we know, we know the story. We know what it sounds like, right? Yeah. And so it's not that we won't listen to the details, but what are we going to now do to support that? Because once you come out and you whistleblow, after the first initial, you know, the outrage, et cetera, right? What happens beyond that? Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. And how do we maintain that momentum? Right? Because not like the buzz will die down about the Haitians, about the Afans, about my parents are going back to Pakistan next week, in fact. Um, you know, and there are like 68 uh, and 67. And it's, a, they've, you know, both had COVID um, despite being very careful. Uh, and, you know, it's just, it's a very, it's an emotional time for me to know that that's happening. And at the same time, you're going to hear another lens and I'm going to stop here now, which is the fourth, I guess, point, which is a sense of competing, this perceived competition that we're either going to give reparations to black folks, what I call a reparation execution roadmap, and roadmap not meaning in the future, but roadmap for execution within the next three to six months. How do you execute that kind of um, giving what was taken, right? Um, I don't call it charity or empathy or any of that stuff. Let's get hard and real about it. And at the same time, it's not an or that we're gonna go help Afghanistan or an or that we're going to do this or that, right? it becomes an end mm -hmm. or how we address Haitians and how there shouldn't be whips allowed at the border um, because it's just, it's meant to create shock value. It doesn't actually help efficiency. It's not actually doing anything aside from traumatizing, traumatizing. and terrorizing people. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's, um, I heard some of that coming out and I think this will be a good intersection with the inside as the conversation, because yeah. when you have these deep, different competing viewpoints and the fear of things rolling back or going forward, and then if not that, then that, and, and the competition between, well, they're going to either help this or either help that. When you're feeling that, how do you then unpack it? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's a bunch. Right. And so I think, I think the first kind of piece um, is not just that we know that, you know, that one company is not the only company that, you know, has things like this going on. And I think, I think that the first part of the conversation, maybe if we take it, if we, you know, break it down a little bit, right? And we talk about, you know, first the fact that this is a woman, right? Yeah. That that was doing this. And this is not, and, and she's what I'll call like she reports to people, right? This is right. not like like she has a whole division and she only reports, you know, into the C suite, right? So she took a lot of risk. Um, personal, yeah. professional, financial, you know, all of that. Um, but but I think the larger question, and you you hinted on this one in your second piece too, was is around, you know, the accountability and what what's going to come of it. I believe and I think that if we can help people to understand options, choices, yep. and encouraging people to continually to speak up, Right. Because mm -hmm. now not only do we have the tech workers handbook and I'm going to um, yep. uh, uh, paste the link and everything in here for people. But the tech workers handbook. Right. Is a guide for yeah. how to um, understand your legal. Uh, it's huge. Um, your legal um, options and, and yeah. what is legal and what isn't legal. Um, and, and your and, strategy, your strategy. And to, right. They and have a strategy, too. Yeah. Right. And to get, you know, even even to in terms of addressing the recent law that got passed in California. Right. So one of the things that companies do to maintain a cloak of secrecy, um, to maintain, um, you know, this they try to hide it under non-disclosure. And, mm -hmm. and and let's be extremely clear that we're not talking about sharing any type of trade secrets, any project nope. plans, no any organizational 
None of development our products. Yeah. It's not about yeah. that. This is about behavior yeah. of other people that is being unchecked, um, unreport, underreported, unresponded to, or nothing. And so what happens and what companies count on is that number one, employees, people, contractors don't have the information necessary to know even what any options exist, number one. Number two, they make the internal policies and practices and things um, unclear, right, and um, vague, so that if you do have an incident, I've had numbers and numbers and numbers of people from all different companies tell me how they've made reports and nothing ever happened, or there's a hotline for this or a hotline for that. People that tell me they have made reports to their direct boss, their boss's boss, to HR. And so I'm saying all that to say that within the walls of all of the tech companies, right, there are parameters of behavior, um, conduct that's allowed. And at least now, beginning in January of 2022, when a person, woman, black, brown, queer, straight, tall, short, young, old, whatever, makes a complaint of harassment and discrimination, they are not going to be, um, you know, that's not going to be held over them that, oh, you if, if you report this, um, you know, to the authorities or whatever, um, you know, that it's part of this non-disparaging agreement and we're going to keep you from, uh, you know, talking about illegal behavior. Because mm-hmm. what the companies have done, and um, Duana uh, and I talked about it this morning, is they've tried to cloak all of it under like protecting their intellectual property or protecting patents. And we know that this is not about that. This is about companies who on the outside say one thing, right? Who talk about this is our values or this is this and this is that. But then behind the walls, those people who don't get to, the, who don't have the privilege of being in an inclusive or safe environment always have to suffer. And so Mm -hmm. I think that the the large piece to the whistleblowing just at the high level is reporting illegal behavior, reporting unethical and immoral behavior. And and that's part of what she did, but there's so much more to that. And even with that and finding out all of the things that happened with that in the midst of that, Um, Facebook can't even keep our data safe, right? Because this week the breach was 1.6 B billion user data. Well, that's, that's the other side of it, right? The whole tech data privacy security side of it that will, while we're, sorry, continue, but I'll I'll get to my point. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm just saying, right. So they, they know that. Um, but the thing is, what are people going to do about it. And what people can do inside of companies right now is you can, um, you know, share your story and you should report it internally. But we had this conversation last week, right? And some of the folks that are on with us now, we know that HR, that's that's not necessarily a, a way that is going to help you do anything. So, you know, to, to kind of, you know, circle back, right, to the 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 inside piece and to think about it from you know that power dynamic and how that shapes how you have to navigate right right in a situation like that what let's talk about some of the you know decisions right that she had to even make and 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 like talk about that yeah. in the exactly Erica HR is not going to help do anything because they work for the company and they're there to keep the company safe they're so, getting so, paid for that yeah right yeah. so when you're in a position like the whistleblower. How do you even muster up the courage, right? The, 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 the moxie to be like, you know what? I gotta, I gotta tell somebody because I know that this is wrong. Right. And even if it's not necessarily wrong and illegal, even if it's, I mean, discrimination and harassment, those things are wrong and illegal too. So, so talk about, you know, people standing up and right. And really getting that courage and feeling like they can speak out. And I think, um, so, so there's one one thing I want to ask you because I always sort of divide it into we don't have to divide it, but there's content and there's process. So in terms of process for this session, right? And I'm just going to say it live. Do we want to take a little bit of a break from the inside outside you integration can. conversation? We and can. This, this is 
focus on this and then next session we can do inside you know we can start integrating it as well that's, because, that's fine we can talk about you know? whatever <laughs> yeah yeah i figured i figured i think why not right like um because i think that sort of weaves in these choices that we get to make along the way i say get to make because we can say have to make and but have to make leaves you in a very powerless situation with yourself right and in order to be in a place where you could uh feel confident and sure in your choice that you are on solid or at least some sort of ground, you're not falling through the cracks, right? Um, a number of us who fell through the cracks, we know what that's like. Uh, both the fall where you're like, oh, I'm waiting for the ground now. Can you please come through? And then when you hit the ground, you're like, oh, how do I spend this time that I'm in this crack now that not everybody else knows I'm here? And then when you're climbing out, what does that process look like, right? Um, and as someone who's fallen through a few different cracks, I can go through that process, right? Um, and I know, Vonda, you can relate to that. So when we talk about being in a situation, I've been in this situation a few times, and I grew up around this because my father and I were talking about this yesterday. And uh, he was in this sort of situation a number of times in terms of choosing what to do. When you're in a situation where there's right and wrong, um, and you know that there's a right and wrong, um, however, the environment is one that is telling you to do a certain thing. How do you think get through that? And I say this because I grew up around these conversations of justice as a child, even in Pakistan. Um, you know, and my whole family's involved with this kind of stuff, right? In terms of what is, and, and from different lenses, right? Um, without going into my siblings' own private experience, which is for them to share, right? But in terms of my father and the conversations I have with them, What's interesting when I used to see him go through this was his fear of the repercussions. If he was to take a stand, even if it's not against someone or reporting them, sometimes you're just choosing to abstain and you can, there can be retaliation for abstinence, mm -hmm. right? Because you're not willing to participate in that ring or that process and therefore you're not actually implicating yourself so you can't really be trusted the same way that others who have implicated themselves can be trusted. Now, this could be something really minor or it could be something much bigger. But either way, if you choose to abstain, the biggest benefit for you will be that you're in the clear. And no matter when, either people come knocking your door or righteousness comes knocking your door or whatever, Lady Liberty comes knocking your door, the point is that you will be in the clear always because you chose not to participate in that process. So at minimum, there's not participating and just standing straight, right? Um, which in itself is hard to do. I want to make that very clear. It's very hard to do that. So when you say not participating, so are you saying as an example, for example, um, somebody, let's, let's take it into like something that could happen to you or me, right? We could be in a meeting and yeah. be the only of, of among you know, whatever, or one of many, and, and it'll and, still happen. And, and somebody <laughs> say so, exactly, or one of many, and somebody say something just crazy, just terrible, or you know, whatever. If there are people there witnessing and watching it, even if they don't chime in and they and they don't do anything, and they're in a position of influence or or power or leadership, and they don't say anything. The, my view of it is that they would be just as complicit, right, um, in it if they don't do anything to stop. And that and that's agreed. So there's a and this is very important for the inside conversation because there's a difference between staying silent, which is acquiescing or or supporting the wrong practice, right? Um, and that's about something happening in front of you, and then you don't say anything. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about a situation where somebody comes to you and says, can you do this wrong thing? They won't say wrong thing. Of course they won't say that. They'll say, it's the way things are done, be a team player. You know, oftentimes when you get to hear you're not a team player, there's two sides to that. And you mm -hmm. only you can know. That's right. Was I not being a team player because I was being, you know, too um, confrontational or I was bringing up the wrong topics at the wrong time or I wasn't focusing on the work or... I was distracting everybody from what needed to be done at that moment, right? And taking my time to have that conversation, that's one kind of way. 
Or the other kind of way is that when someone says openly to you that you're not a team player because you didn't submit a negative review about somebody mm-hmm, mm-hmm, or a constructive mm-hmm. review, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, or if you didn't help them do something that they want to get done, but they can't get done without you, right? Now, there's openly stuff, especially in the tech world, where they will give you training on standards and conduct and all that stuff is, is good above board you know, not giving favoritism to certain partners in the business space, uh, not favoring um, a request for proposal, like when you go, when you send out a proposal to get certain vendors to respond, not providing favor to any one vendor and having clear practices on not doing that. All that is fantastic, right? Um, and there's certain other protections that have come in place. Like a number of the tech companies now give certain, you know, like you have your job is protected and you get, the minimum 12 weeks plus you can get an additional eight to 10 weeks of paid leave for being when when you're on when you're pregnant the problem though becomes that how are those rules implemented in terms of if your job is secure right now how do you know that your management isn't looking to get you out while you're gone and then lining up somebody else for that role because hey even when you come back to work you're not going to be as focused because you have a child now right as an assumption and I've seen that happen. Um, yeah. I've seen it happen where um, a person um, out on maternity leave and, you know, while they were gone, um, there was like a, a a plan to do a lot of reorg, uh, you know, and strip a person of their different pe- people that they had on their team. Yeah. I've yeah. seen people come back, like only be out like a short time on like a, like yeah. a small leave and project be taken away. And, and you're like, Oh, I was working with such and such a person. Then it's like, they were out sick and now they off the project for four days like that, you know? So, so yeah, I mean, that kind of stuff, that's that kind of stuff right. happens all the time and people have and to so, make choices about it. Mm-hmm. And in the case where you have to make a choice, cause I reviewed the tech worker handbook and it gives you the really important thing. So like as a takeaway, cause I know we have like half an hour left, right? And this is such a fantastic topic, but like, and I think we could actually even do a follow up to after we cover the first four elements of how to create the purpose and power and stuff. I think we could also go into covering specific sections of that handbook with examples on how um, to judge whether you're in the situation or not. Right. Because it's very useful. It gives you the terms like, okay, what's an NDA? What's a, you know, I don't know if it talks about a severance agreement or not, or separation agreement, when or when not to sign one. If you do sign one, how to not kill yourself with guilt. (laughs) <laughs> because you signed one, because you're silencing yourself, right? That if they say it openly in the document and whatever doc, what version of the document you get, because I've seen multiple versions of the document across different companies. Um, and uh, you can choose based on, and it's always going to be based on your own situation as a person. Because at the end of the day, you need to do what is best for you and your family. And the reason why you're in that situation is because um got targeted somehow and the reason why i say that is because if you're in a situation where you're either if it's not like a a, a larger reorg or a massive layoff or uh, a team a specific business unit or a a product line comes to an end or a service line comes to an end there's usually at a good like you know strong companies with a lot of oversight there'll be a standard package that they give to you depending on your level in the company that's a whole other issue that you might be down leveled so you wouldn't get access to the bigger packages, but that's another topic to address, right? And I always advise everybody to be able to have, just like you have a doctor, a cardiologist, a therapist, a coach, also have an attorney, you know? Um, it's very good practice to have an attorney to review your, um, just anything, you know? Like you get an agreement that you need to sign, send it to your attorney. Everything good with this? Okay, cool. Um, I'm jo- joining a new job. This is what they're telling me. This is the kind of contract it is. It is at will or not. Um, what are they, you know, saying that you'll get locked into? What you won't, right? Assuming everything's going to be hunky dory, it's fine. Um, but also not when things get stuck, especially if you're black or brown, right? Um, or if you're a woman, uh, and if you're both, then good luck. Um, but it's that's the point, right? That you have to have. It's not live in fear, because that's the main differentiator there. How do you not live in fear? You live in opportunity and joy and hope uh, and prepare for the best um, and hope for the best, but also know what could, the saying is hope for the best, prepare for the worst. But you're not always living the worst, but you have the main checks for yourself. 
so that you, you kind of protect yourself a little bit. That's common practice. Corporations do it all the time where they will not enter any sort of agreement without protecting themselves. So it's right. very important and, that you hold yourself like a comp- corporation too. Go ahead. Yes. And, and people need to, it's kind of like, you know, what I've been telling my daughter, right, about her music career. I told her, you are the CEO of yeah. Morgan. And so I think every person needs to look at themselves, right, as an entity and know, um, and you know, Farzeen would agree with this, right, that out in this market, right, we're considered, um we're the product. The labor is the product. You are. And so yeah. if you are and you know, you understand that, right, you have to have that mindset, then you have to determine for yourself, you get to choose and you right. get to determine Thank what you. types of uh, relationships you're going to be in, career and personal, right? And yep. in, in every way. And so when you're in a large organization, a small organization, a startup, whatever it might be, right? You need to have that agency, take that agency and 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 run with it. So in a case of, you know, being asked specifically to do something that is, you know, either against a, a policy or even if it just doesn't feel right and you're right. not sure whether it's a policy, then at that point, right, you are at a critical juncture and you have right. to determine. But but it is about looking inside and and being able to look at yourself in the mirror. So right. when you were saying, you know, talking about people having these different, you know, a board of advisors or advisory board or personal. Yeah, they have coaches. like, like I have them. having your own army, having your own. Right, right, right. Yeah. And so when I think about like, you know, people um, in my, in my, um, I just call my board of advisors, right? Because it's the people that I go to for advice about different things. And it's a, a broad you know, spectrum of people with, you know, coaches and, and, and mentors and sponsors, like it's a a broad, a broad one. And I'm specifically thinking about, you know, um, uh, somebody who was talking to me specifically about, you know, that when you use your own voice and you say to yourself, you know, there's some points in time where, you have to really look at what could really be the potential consequences. So if you are speaking up about something that you've been asked to do that, you know, is wrong. There is a level of internalized um, trauma that you're putting on yourself because you're creating right. That friction internally, when you know the difference between right and wrong, Uh it'll be just like right now, let's say I went to, Cause I'm going on a trip next week and I usually try to get a little bit of cash because whatever. Right. If yep. I went to an ATM, Where are you the, going? I'm going to uh, San Francisco to see my daughter. Yeah. But it's really super close to where I am. It's like literally an hour yeah, flight. Really, yeah, but, yeah. but when I think about, um, you know, um, what, what that looks like. Right. And think about, um, the um oh I just lost my train of thought ah you were thinking you were talking about the consequences the yes, potential yes, yes. consequences and the and the friction within that right, ends up right. being created from right. the internalized trauma right yeah. so 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 people feel that and that it gets acted out in some kind of way right yeah so so either maybe we'll have a stomach ache maybe we'll get a migraine maybe we'll feel tired Thank you. our jaws will clench our You'll shoulders get the start getting up yeah something is going to go on because you can't live in conflict and we talked about this even like mm. in many of our other conversations right yeah you you can't live in that much conflict and turmoil internally when stuff is yeah. going on so if you're in an environment whether well, you can you'll just get keep you'll keep, you'll keep exactly and eventually it'll spill yeah. over to something yeah right yeah. so if you eventually have a headache or a migraine or you're sick on your stomach or you know or you have other problems we forget how stress and all of that in all of our bodies is one, you know, cohesive system that works together. Right. And so in your I don't believe that, that, that we can operate in environments that are in conflict with who we are right. for long periods of time without consequences. With that, exactly. And, and, you know, there's the side of consequences that the tech worker handbook talks about in terms of, you know, what could happen and what paths you could take, right. It's meant, really meant to hint to you, what are the different things that are going to come your way? So, for example, in many companies, 
you won't know that there's such a thing as like, what is the status you are given when they tell you you're not performing well enough? Because they're not going to tell you, hey, we don't like you because you're black or because you got lots of hair on your head or or because you're, you know, you talk so vivaciously and we have to compensate by being 10 different things and you get away with just talking vivaciously, let alone having all the skills. Um, you know, but like, because <laughs> yeah, like, that's how it is. Because that is how it is. You are speaking truth, so it's nothing wrong with it. No, no, and exactly. And to your point, uh, in fact, it takes us women time. We're like, well, what's wrong with us? Why would you not like us? And and the thing is, what we're not seeing is is that people are um, injured and traumatized, and so they don't always like something that's beautiful or that has that much power, right? And so how do you come into power with yourself? That's the inside conversation. Um, connected to that, though, is like what you just said, that you can be in these situations and you can stay in them. And there are ways to, you know, there's like a way to literally, like what I help people do is also see for themselves and even customers now, I help them do this. If you stay in this period, you will incur this much cost in terms of your system breaking down or this happening. Is it worth it to you for, say, for two years to do this kind of job and to build your career in this way and then risk potentially, you know, somebody putting you on some sort of performance plan or whatever because they're trying to force you out and you're going to go through the stress of that and either you're going to, some people say, oh, as soon as they put me on a plan, I'm just going to leave. And I'm like, when you get to that point, you might say, oh, but do they really want me on a plan or do they want, like, do they really want me to improve or do they want me to leave? That's the games. But and that's, that's the games. games will get you stuck, right? The thing is that game will get you stuck because there is potential. If somebody, it's not that all performance plans are bad, right? There's a reason why, um, you know, you can be helped in a corporate environment with when you're put on a situ in a situation where you have to improve your performance. But my point is, if it's a good management process, then it wouldn't go that far. Exactly, because you would have been getting communicated again with yeah, every over week, video chat over every week, well. right? Because that's well. how communication should work, right? And so right. that's the, the the sign of a poor manager um, is the or sign poor of management. A, a poor management know, within an organization. You don't know who's about that person who's forcing this through. You got no idea who they could have been told by some other team or something. Hey, this person has a limited number of days. Uh, find a way to help us manage the mouse, right? So oftentimes in, in corporate environments, it's not like made this whole emotional thing or this revenge thing or anything. It's, it's, it can be, but it's usually cloaked under this idea of, hey, uh, we have a lot of high performers, especially these days, especially in tech corporate. Why? Because in, in big tech corporate, you have a lot of money, a lot of the market demand, um, a lot of competition, and even during times of COVID and pandemic, those share prices have risen and the demand has risen. And so they can, on one hand, demand a high level of talent, but they can also choose how much they want to pay you. Mm -hmm. And so in the case where they've already hired a bunch of people at a place, maybe when they weren't as strong to attract talent, three, four years later, they could be like, oh, we don't have to pay this person that much, right? So most of this boils down to money. And if someone other than you, who's always, who's also already had privilege and wants to play these games, is partaking in that process, they will be able to protect themselves and potentially the people that they manage. Maybe another manager might not be able to do so, but they will be left holding the bag in communicating it to you. So the point then becomes, what I've seen a number of my white male colleagues do, is they just pick up and leave when that process starts. Because sometimes it can come out of nowhere. And you can sit there and debate with them, uh, but what could I improve? And, and I'm not saying it's not a growth process. It's an incredible growth process if you are able to fully focus, not on the stories and the drama and the unbelonging, which is going to be there, but if you can focus purely on the things that you want to improve about yourself, you will, by definition, become way more um, capable uh, in terms of skills than even your peers. Because you're being put under so much pressure, and but it's I not going to be enough. Yeah, and that's the but, so. But I think that's the point, yeah. right? So before you pick up another point, let's get let's let's get yeah, into continue. that. One. I, I was just going to say that on that point, yes, that will happen. But there's also this element of 
how long do you want to keep putting yourself in that situation? Because it's a very high stress situation. So oftentimes people leave the job and then get another job and they know they're going to have to get another job after three years. So they keep doing this process um, if they're not able to sustain in one role and one company and keep getting promoted, you know? But the, yeah, yeah. And I agree with that. And the thing is, I think the other thing that's key is from the very outset, right? It kind of goes back to, so I've been having, and, you know, maybe some people have seen posts about like the interracial sisterhood coalition and things that we're doing, right? Well, we're having these conversations, right? And this week specifically, you know, we had a reading, um, Audre Lorde, and we were specifically Mm. talking about, you know, um, that the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. And so- When we're talking about, you know, trying to climb uh, a ladder within an organization that already has its hierarchy, it already has its rules, it already has its structures, the system is set, they know who they letting up, they know how many spots they got, they know how many black and brown dots they are willing to move a white dot out of the way to slide up. They know that, right? Yep. And so what we and what have kind of white dot is very exactly. important in that. Right. right. But what we have to do, I think, from the very onset is don't ever believe that just because we are extremely talented, extremely skillful, extremely perfect, prepared, top in our class cautious. at the best schools, yep. cautious, respectful, mannerly, not too much of anything. I call it being deferent, actually. Right. It's right. Called being deferent. Yep. Right. And so we could do all of that. And the thing that I want us to help people understand and something I really want people to understand is even if you do all of the things, the right steps and the right this, none of that is a guarantee that you're ever going to get what no. you are owed or what is deserved or what you've earned. Based on your contributions, your education, none of it. I know people who work for large organizations in different uh, revenue generating arms, right? Not even in IT or legal or a cost center. And we we can explain that to people. Yeah, because there's a big difference. Right. But I've seen people in revenue generating positions that are making and bringing in millions. Yep. And they still get the same treatment the same whatever and colleagues right um male colleagues around them will get promoted and get bonuses and this and that and that same person woman is outperforming other people the male colleagues will get um sent to you know present on a patent or something at a conference and da 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 the woman is the one that did all the work you know did 80 percent of the work doesn't get the go Right. So so I think it's also key to know that it's that we are enough and you we are if you're if you got hired by this company, you are definitely able to do the job and they know you can do the job. But they know that you're already well past it. They know and they know that. But what happens to you while you in there trying to navigate up and through and get your projects approved and get stuff done? That's a whole nother ballgame. Right. And I think to your point, um, how do you then stay focused on it comes back to you then, right? And next time we can talk about what is that internal you that goes on, knowing that this is the entire environment, right? Knowing that um, you can take your chances, which we we have, right? We knew I was in Pakistan, I was going to go to a Pakistani college. And I had Khalid's visited by then. And I said, Dad, I really want to go. Mom and Dad, I want to go, right? And I remember even at the end, it was like, well, Sana, why don't you just go to university here? And I was like, ah, 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 no, I'm going. And now when I think about it, I was 19 years old and I was saying, let me go to continent south to live alone and do my thing and get to my height, right? Which is what I was asking my parents to do. That's hard for any parent to be okay with knowing the environment that exists around us. Um, but given that we take those chances, knowing the things that can happen, there's no harm in taking your chances, and I would encourage it, even whether it's corporate or anything else. But one, know what you're foregoing. Like, so if you have a dream and you're going to corporate for, you're, you're telling yourself certain reasons. I want to build my skill set. I want to earn income. I want to support my family. 
Um, and the one that one reason that most women don't talk about, which is I want to prove that I can be docile, deferent, dutiful, and damn good at what I do. They Why would people want to prove that? So say, say talk about that. But yeah. you, we only have a few minutes left. But yeah, talk about talk about that part. What do you mean? Why would anybody want to prove that they're docile so, and deferent? The same piece about being enough or not enough. Okay. And what it comes down to is that, like, we had this conversation, I think, in our first session, which was at what age, what is that time that we realize that we're not enough or that we want to shine our light a little less? And so that sets up a practice where whether it's in marriage or relationship or work, we or just the way we show up to the world, we want to prove that we are both powerful and also will follow instruction and abide by their requirements. And then somehow we'll be enough. Now, that's something we don't always want to admit to ourselves because it sounds really different, but it is what it is. But and, right? and, and so, yeah, so now <laughs> that you explained it like that, yeah, it makes sense because we do have to do that. Right. So kind of like in the call earlier. Um, so Duana was on. Right. And she has a, 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 a lot of big natural hair. And we were talking about, you know, showing up. Right. And and somebody was on the chat like I love the froze. Right. And people love your hair and my hair. Like so like but but to think where to think about being in a space where you feel like you can't be right. The harm in that. And then you add the other stuff onto it. So yeah, like I think I, that is right. There. Right. Cause I think I had mentioned, you know, even if it wasn't with you with somebody, when I first yeah. got into the tech business, right. I was wearing a button down shirt. And you told me, pants, you know right? me. Not because yeah. I wanted to wear that. Cause it's no, you literally to boring. It looks like a uniform. It doesn't have no flavor to it. I, yeah. I wore it because that's what everybody else was wearing. Right. And you want to fit in. And fit so, in. What happens because you, you already to, don't fit in because, because you already feel like you don't fit in, but you don't fit in because the master's tools were never yep. designed for us to fit in. So, right. You know, even I was talking to um, to a friend earlier today and we were just even talking about the Constitution. Right. And, and Karen was talking about it yesterday or Thursday. Yeah. The Constitution was written for men. And in the beginning, yeah. the only men that had right were men, men that had property. So yeah. that was even a small white men that had property. And then yeah. it was men, even smaller. And then it was white men who don't have property. And then yeah. it was black men. Like, and then it just like, but, but, well, you I know, think it'd be white women first and then it'd be black men. But yeah. Well, not, not in, not in, um, not in that year in voting and all of that stuff. No, yeah, not in voting, black yeah. men not got the coverage. right to vote before women did. Right. It's interesting, um, right? How yeah. it's like played. Uh, it's like, well, white woman, black man, white woman, black man. It's like, it's like it bounces based on the topic, um, which, you know, Crenshaw then came up with intersectionality to help explain it. Um, but, you know, I, what I was, to your point, what I'm going to say about this um, is that we have the topics of like what, because I know we're like edging into 10 minutes, right? So the, to sort of streamline where we're at is that, with all of these topics, whether it's you're already in a job and you're doing well, but you're maybe not getting promoted or you are getting promoted, but there's some guilt in you of what is going on. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's like you're doing well, but you're not feeling happy and something's missing, yep. right? Or you um, feel like you've stagnated or are stuck, which I've talked about in one of the previous sessions, yep. how, how difficult and um, deceiving the spot is. It's a self-deceiving thing to be stuck. Because you're trying to avoid something potentially, mm-hmm. right? Um, now, when it comes to these points, or or you're in a situation where you've realized your truth, or more of you is coming out, and people are noticing, and now you're getting feedback. You're getting feedback that's positive, and then feedback that's like, oh, uh, how do this, you need to tone it down? One or two, they're going straight for the jugular of what I call, you know, hey, performance plan, or um, you know, you can't be involved in these activities anymore. You need to focus on your core job. There'll be certain terms that come up. So part of that progress then, that process, because you're already playing that game. Mm-hmm. Come back to the game. You're already in the game. You can't, yep. you're already playing the game. You think that you're going to choose to play the game or not then or not. What you're really choosing to do then, it's not say I'm not going to play the game because you're already playing it, um, which we all want to be, you know, be part of, or we want to figure out how to gain independence from but want to have those skills and not just say, Hey, I don't want this, but more like, I want the skills. I want the access to privilege or money, or I want my own definition of what it means to be privileged and be abundant. Right. You find your own balance of what that looks like. Either way, you're going to have to go through process of deciding 
which or choosing what parts of the game you're participating in and what parts of the game you're abstaining in. And then what are the consequences? Got to be ready for the consequences. Even if you don't have the full wherewithal, like I know for some of the consequences I went through, that I was really scared. And even just in terms of showing up like this and, and talking like this, for a while there, I did everything <laughs> that came with conforming or being bold and a lot, but within a certain environment of where, yes, yes, Anna, great job, right? And you have to then choose, okay, even though I'm not ready right now for what I think the consequences will be, I'm going to take this leap anyway, because I think I will be ready. And I feel like I will be ready when it hits. Yeah. And so sometimes it takes that kind of bravery. There's no such thing as being fearless. I don't believe in that. Being, having fear is a human condition. It is a natural thing and opposite of love, right? The opposite of joy, the opposite of hope. Fear and doubt are normal, but you get to be brave. And whether bravery for you means you're just going to say, I'm not going to fill out that review for that person because I haven't had that negative experience with them, but good luck, right? Or it could be, um, well, I, I did bring in this opportunity. I don't know why I have to hand it over now when it's about to hit $2 million, when it was 2000 when I got it six months ago. You know, it could be that kind of bravery or bravery might look like to you. Yes, sure. Go ahead and go ahead and use whoever you want for that opportunity that I developed. I'm going to go create more here. So you get to choose what angle you want to take. And the only way to choose is not somebody else's example. It's going to be your own example. And for that, you need to be deeply, uh, you need to start getting connected with yourself in what feels good. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's really going to indicate, OK, are you going to then in the end go for even when you get stuck in a bad situation and you're being managed out or you're being treated badly? Am I going to go to the EEOC and battle it out there, knowing that's one of the master's tools? OK, but it's the one of the tools we have right now. Right. That gets us legislation that can move things in a different way, because it'll take a while before this whole consortium of black and brown entrepreneurs is strong enough to have negotiating power with big corporate, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So in the meanwhile, how do you then negotiate that space? Or you're going to accept that separation agreement because it's the best way to leave and you want that additional money right now because it'll make up for what you had. Either way, whatever your consideration is, if you've already gone through a traumatic situation, there's going to be very little that it's right or wrong or that you should feel judged by. That what yeah. are people going to say? What yeah. are my brave Linus women friends going to say because I took that separation agreement or yeah. that I didn't take the separation agreement. Right? Yeah. Well, I think now though, so I think, so at least for people who work in California, um, I'm going to just shout out and say, if you're working in California, hold on for three months, you got the rest of this month, you got November, you got December. If you uh, uh, join a company uh, beginning in January, 2022, and they try to get you to sign because I, I had to print the bill out because I said I need to I need to understand like what this is all about. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I mean, there's there, there's the, the good news um, is that, you know, the bill um, clarifies that the prohib prohibition includes um, the provisions that restrict the disclosure of information. Right. About factual information when you file a claim. So mm, now I love it. Love companies it. are saying now, some companies, right? Not all of them, but yeah. a lot of these agreements and a lot of companies out here are saying, if you work here, everything that happens here is a damn secret. And if you mm -hmm. tell about any of it, we going to come after you. You're in breach. You're you in breach. breach yeah. um, whether it's sexual harassment, sexual assault, workplace harassment, discrimination, retaliation, or harassment or discrimination based on reporting it. Yep. So this bill is saying, listen, um, you cannot require an employee to sign a non-disparaging agreement or another agreement that denies, right, that person um, the right to disclose information. So now they're trying to say if somebody is discriminated against or harassed at work that you can't talk about it because you signed an agreement. But yep. You're only signing an agreement saying you're not going to disclose company secrets. If you are being mistreated, your colleague is being mistreated. You saw somebody get touched, 
talked to in a, a wrong way, know that their pay is wrong, know that they're being managed out because they're know that they reported and nothing is happening. Whatever you have power and those dis those those agreements and things is where Tasana's point about getting in touch with an attorney. So my number one recommendation is that when you leave a job or start a job, yes. Yes. not only should you download this tech workers handbook, um, but you need to have some person that's an attorney or somebody that works in law and employment law, have them give it a look. But now that we have this tech workers handbook, right? You have another resource and there are people building all kinds of resources and tools. There are all kinds of, you know, uh, databases and and sites and apps where people are reporting information about where they work, you know, within uh, uh, groups and different things like that. The thing is, is that silence and not talking about it is the thing that's allowed it to perpetuate, right? And so, like, right, I'm sitting here, right here, looking at Cindy um, Bright's book, The Color of Courage, right, where she shared her story. She went through a whole big public lawsuit, you know, the company tried to sue her into uh, bankruptcy and, and poverty, right? But, you know, sometimes, like you said, you you have to let that bravery be the thing, right, that, that propels you, that propels you forward for these things. And, and bravery, to your point, like, I won't sit here and tell you, because let's face it, Vonda, I'm not sitting here in front of you after two years in my career. After right. five years of my career. Right. That's right. Because it's years, a difference. It's a difference. No, my love, it's been 15, 16, 20 years. Right. And that doesn't mean that I just took it, took it, took it, and now I'm waking up. No, I was awake the whole time. And I had to make certain choices. When I had my work visa, when I didn't have a green card, when I, you know, choices you have to make when you're in optical practical training, which most people who are American citizens won't even know what that is, right? You have to make certain choices for yourself. And time when you will choose to speak out. And That's at right. any moment in your journey, it's okay. This is my point about it not being linear, that if you finally speak out, you've reached the, you know, the um, point of Amanda Gorman, as I call it, right? <laughs> right. Because <laughs> I love her. Um, yes. Um, but, but I think the, the point is that you at any moment can get there. And if you are seeing yourself and you're struggling getting there, no need to feel shame and guilt about not that I'm I'm struggling to get here. Why can't I get here sooner? Why can't I speak like XYZ person that bravely? Because that's another syndrome that's been happening in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Um, without being using a psychiatric term, the problem now is that people compare themselves to the perceived version of someone on social media. People don't know what's going on in my life or your life. And we'll be the first ones to say, you have no idea what shit we're dealing with in our personal lives or our, or our professional lives, right? Or how good we have it. Either way, we mm-hmm. can, you can only know that through us telling our personal stories and That's stuff. But even then, you can't be in our shoes, one. And two, nobody wants somebody else's problems. You know your problems. You don't know the other person's problems. And you don't have the training or the history in dealing with them. Right. So this becomes a very personal choice that does not happen by comparing yourself to some other person out there. They make choices for their reasons, and you have these resources now, and vet attorneys, like you would vet a therapist, like you would vet a doctor, get a second opinion, uh, use the tech worker handbook and resources like Vondra and me or other people out there to say, hey, the attorney gave me this answer. Is that sufficient? Does that make sense? Could they have other relationships in the company that they don't want in danger by going in and getting a, you know, a nice settlement? Or maybe they want to handshake a little bit in a different way to maintain their own relationships. Am I, I'm being very blunt here. But the idea is that this happens in every industry. It does. And so it's very important to have your, not just board of directors when it comes to your professional advice and sponsorship, but also in terms of, well, what am I going to do if things are going downhill? And I'm scared to talk about it with my community because of feeling like, oh, this is a slap in the face and I just couldn't make it. No, it's probably because you were that awesome that you're in this situation. Um, and because brown and black women aren't allowed to survive in corporate environments if they're not already very good, right? So so that's, and now I'm just going to close it there for now. I think it's fantastic what, um, I think her name is um, Frances Haugen did. Uh, I think she's been very brave. I think it was essential because she didn't just stop at the tech worker thing. She went into the political stuff around that. Um, and I think there's certain big issues we have to deal with as a community now around children as well. 
And I think we have a lot of support as tech workers mm-hmm. too now. Yeah. Support, tools, um, engagement. People Choices. are talking about it. Choices, which we've already always had. But I think, you know, to something we've talked about before is we get um, conditioned, right? And socialized into believing that we don't have those choices, right? And right. so, um, you know, this has been another great conversation. I feel like, you know, if I had enough water and time, we could just like, t- we could do this well, for hours. So we could do this. Because so even this, like, <laughs> right. And even a whistleblower, right? Like she's great. Uh, talk about more stuff that we already know, but, but there's so much, but this has been an amazing conversation. I want to thank um, Erica and Cynthia, Maureen, you know, everybody who um, has joined in today, who's going to join in everybody who's going to uh, listen and catch the replay later. Um, you know, like I said, this is all about having these conversations um, that are making change, right? And, and and conversations that are disrupting what's happening in tech. So we're going to continue to have our conversations talking about power and what that means for black and brown women in tech. And we will see you here live next Saturday. So until then, take care, everybody. <laughs>